the prep work that goes with what we've done with the employee, but also with ourselves. I think the way that we come in and we show up in those kinds of situations, like we know they're going to be highly emotional for the person. So I think it's good if we're able to kind of deal with that ourselves and able to come into the conversation and say, okay, I'm in a good place. I've done whatever I needed to do to be in a good place. I've worked out. I've, I don't know what it is, but I can come in and I can, you know, be kind of the rock that this person can also rely on. Hi, I am Sophie Vaux, and this is the Rise and Play podcast. In the show, I sit down with influential thought leaders of the gaming industry to deconstruct how they create the best team and company cultures in order to create the best games. Every episode brings actionable insight to improve your leadership, self-awareness, and emotional management skills. Because becoming a better leader starts with becoming a better human. So, are you ready to unlock your full potential in life and business? Let's begin. Don't just see the future, know the future with today's sponsor, Sourceten. I've talked before about how Sourceten is a necessary tool to compete in gaming these days. In short, Sourceten empowers studio to build human-centric experiences by unlocking deep, psychological understanding of your most valuable audiences. At a time when we needed to know what our players would respond to, my team and I use Sourceten and their product Navigator to identify key psychological insights across our audience for Plantopia. This prompted us to reshape our FTA, for example, promoting a stronger sense of productivity earlier on in the game. And this aligned with our audience's desire for empowerment and accomplishment, resulting in higher FTA completion rates and longer sessions. Solstein Player Intelligence Platform enables you to unlock the full potential of their games and minimize risks across every stage of the development cycle. Visit good.sourcen.io that you can find in the show notes for a demo. Mention Rise and Play and receive a free feature, theme, and art style study included with your Navigator purchase, a $20,000 value. Learn why EA, Supercell, Wooga, and more use Solstein to create the best human-centric gaming experiences possible. So hi everyone, welcome to a new episode of Rise and Play. And today we will focus on a topic that has been a lot on my mind about how to approach conversation, whether it's with your team, your report, your colleagues, your boss, that are emotionally charged. Because these days, emotions have a place at work, but we find ourselves most of the time not really well equipped or prepared on how to deal with emotions at work. And that's what we will talk about today uh, with my two guests. So Julie Beaugrand and uh, Benjamin Chevalier. So we happen to be free French today. A coincidence, right? So it's it's not that I designed it. Uh, otherwise, we would do this podcast in French and living also at three different regions of the world. So I'm in Berlin today. It's like middle of the afternoon. And uh, yeah, Julie is in Canada and Ben is in Singapore. So we are covering the whole globe, but we are French. <laughs> Before we start and get really in the topic of uh, here, what we want to offer in this conversation today is like, what are the different cases where will you, you will find yourself in your role of responsibility and leadership to be in those emotionally conversation? And what are the tools that you can use out of this episode today? But let's begin with our guest, uh, Julie, before has been also on the podcast and also Ben, that I will link in the show notes. But before we start, it's important also to get the context of where you are today. So Julie, if you would like to start, what are you doing these days and why is it relevant for you to talk about this topic today? 
Absolutely. I'm so happy to be here. So I am a studio head at Rovio in Toronto. I opened a studio here roughly a year and a half ago. So I've been building up a team. And before that, I was running another studio in Toronto. So this is for the past like eight years. So a big part of my job is interacting with people. And so this kind of situation definitely comes up a lot and has been actually coming up quite a bit even recently in my job. So I'm really excited to dig into this topic. Thank you. And then, what about you? So I'm one of the co-founders at Mighty Bear Games. It's a game studio based in Singapore. I mean, we have people around the world, but most of, most of the team, the core team is in Singapore. As part of the founding team, I do a lot of leadership work, mostly on culture. <laughs> like I have to set culture in the studio. And recently, we've had quite a bit of transition happening in the studio, going from you know, a free-to-play, mobile-first, games developer to a fully cross-platform subscription model focused games developer to a Web3 games developer now. And we're even introducing generative AI in our production pipeline. And all of these things require a pretty, pretty strong, I would say, change in mindset, which requires sometimes also a change in leadership style. So that's where we're at right now. We had a lot of pretty difficult conversations recently. Hmm. So I would like to approach the conversation today through a case study. So different situation where we'll start with uh, the example. And if you have experienced those examples to share your experience, how you have approached it and maybe some actionable solutions that you can uh, offer to the audience. So I think one, especially by the context of your position, and I experienced it as well when I was uh, building a first casual studio at Vodou starting in 2019, New venture, new business, or, uh, you know, pivoting a company strategy. So basically hiring people for a job or a mission. And that mission is changing along the way. And you have to explain this to people. And then there might be losses in the way. And how do you handle those conversations and minimize, let's say, the collateral damage? So who would like to start on this? And of course, if you can share about it, what have you experienced and how have you approached the situation? Yeah, I can certainly share on, on this because like as a new studio, so we opened roughly a year and a half ago and what we set out to do a year and a half ago <laughs> is very different from where we're at right now. So there's definitely been changes. We've launched prototypes, we've launched games, we've killed them. We've made some pretty substantial changes in direction. And of course, like that's a lot and that's a lot for people to handle. And usually as a leader, you get some time to deal with that. So you get some information, you take some time to process it and to figure out, okay, what's next and so on before you talk to the team. But then when you talk to the team, well, that's all fresh news to them. So I, I think being really open and transparent, usually when there are changes, it's not about saying everything's been bad before, and that's generally not the case. There's there's really good achievements and hard work that's been done. So being really transparent about that, but realizing there might be other factors that come into play that require the change. So really being very honest with people uh, and also just looking forward and opening that to the next step so that people also have something to look forward to. And then I think a key component is giving people time. Again, like we sometimes ourselves realize that we need time to process things and giving people time and space to feel what they have to feel, to feel, you know, grief, anger, whatever it is, you know, like that they have to put something behind them, which is totally healthy and normal. And so giving people some time to do that between like when you share information and then maybe having some follow-ups and checking in with people individually, I find has been really helpful. So being honest and direct, giving time and following up, I find helps a lot. Mm -hmm. 
And I want to comment on the, what you just shared. Uh, also, I'm in the middle of it uh, <laughs> with a new company, like new first mobile studio at PlayStation. It's a, it's a whole uh, story by itself. And something that I find it really challenging uh, is the timing and the time that happens between all the sequence of events, right? So when you know that you have to change something, you are processing it as the person part of the management of leadership. And then you have to deliver the news. And when you are in a startup mode, this time could be like in, sometimes in the same day or in a few days, sometimes a week. And I find this actually being the heart of a problem when time has value, when you have to process things and then even have clarity on what you do and preparing the plan for what's next and then delivering the news. So I, I, I see here it's a challenge also of discipline and how do you, how do you discipline yourself to do this? You know, there's a temptation, like sense of control that we all have. We want to solve it now. And we know like we are still hiring for the old mission. Uh, you know, there are things that are happening every day or we are people that are working on something, really putting their heart into it. And you know it yourself. A week from now, it will be uh, thrown to the trash. So how do you discipline yourself to process the things and then deliver in the right time? How, how have you done it, Julie? I think in my case, it's it starts with having that self-awareness of whatever I'm feeling, because usually I will have a strong reaction when, I don't know, I've had cases, you know, things that are outside of my control, there's a new imperative that's coming from, you know, HQ or whatever it is, and you have to deal with it. You don't really have a choice. And so I will certainly feel my feelings about it by on my own or with friends or with like people that can be trusted on that and give myself some time as well so that I can process it and, and see and figure out my next steps. And usually, honestly, that, cause usually I have a gut reaction. My, my reaction is like, I want to go, I want to say something right now. I want to share it. And I have to have that self-awareness to say, okay, no, slow down. Things that seem very dire in the moment can seem like much less of a problem if you give it even just a night's sleep, you know, nice rest. And so applying, you know, what I, what I give to other people, to myself, just giving myself some time to process whatever I'm feeling, and then some time to also go back and attack the rational part of my brain to figure out, okay, what are we actually going to do? What can I do? What's in my control? What can I do? And figure out plan that, that really helps, I think, moving forward. And Ben, what about you as well? Because uh, yeah, you have also a different situation where I think since we've known each other, yeah, I, I know that you've been in through changes like one, two years. And so you've been quite familiar with it. How it's been the situation relating to what Julie has shared? Has it been that easy, similar, or you had a different approach? I feel we have a fairly similar approach about, you know, being open on what is at play, essentially. When we're introducing a huge change, could be market related, could be us failing at something, maybe a product. There are multiple reasons. And I think when we say now we're going to have to do something about it and maybe it's going to be as drastic as pivoting the entire company into something else, I think for us what's been really important is to be very clear on the deepest motivations of the studio as, as a company and the costs and consequences of acting or not acting. So we expose those things like, you know, like this is what's on our mind. And sometimes very early, like with Web3, we were we had like two two good products on Apple Arcade. We had revenue streams, um, but we could see as well that Web three was coming up, and we had a choice, which is do we do we act on these? Do we look at it, you know, from afar and just let other studios, you know, figure it out, or do we want to be part of the ones who are going to figure it out? And you know, what are the consequences of ignoring it or you know jumping into it and being like, what can we do with that tech? 
And of course, it's in the middle of something where, you know, people hated Web3, especially on the games development side of things, especially around artists, creatives. And so it's been very difficult to explain. This is why we think this is important. And the reason we think it's important is because free-to-play is going to be increasingly difficult for smaller studios. You have to have much bigger pockets, much deeper pockets. We had a free-to-play title with really good metrics, but we had no one to actually help us with financing the marketing, essentially, the costs that are you know, associated with marketing. And so we decided that Web3 was a really good avenue for us to maybe be at the, you know, at the forefront of, of something that looks like a potential future for, for the industry. It doesn't replace anything. It comes as like, you know, these are new features. They're new things that you can use to, to make your, your games and elevate the experience of players. But within the team, yeah, explaining the change was, I think we had to be very clear about how we would do that in alignment with our values and our, our principles. And as long as whatever we're doing is, is going in the same direction, the team was generally fairly okay with that. So there was a lot of education to be done on what is Web3. Why is it not just scam? Like, what is the tech? How that, how can the tech be used to, you know, improve experience, like gaining experience? But beyond that, I think it's just the mindset of the team that is required. People have essentially to trust as well our intentions as, as a leadership team. Are we trying to scam people or not? It's like this, this thing with Web3 that was, that was like, we had like really good sessions of feedback. Like, why are you going into Web3 as a, as a studio? Like, are you going to scam people? Are you like, you know, and the same thing right now with generative AI. What are we going to do? Are we going to steal people's work? Like, no, we care about <laughs> copywriting. We care about people's work. Well, we would never steal anybody's work. Like, why? So, so and there are ways to actually implement those things in a very ethical way it's just not known it's just not part of the discourse outside so you have to explain all right this is what you can do with the text this is how you can approach that just to like go back to your, your original questions like how do you approach that you need the right mindset on your team people that are curious people that embrace change people that can make something that is maybe a, a bad event into something positive a learning risk taking like you have to have this kind of mindset because you can't pivot if you don't have that you have to essentially let go people and you don't really want to do that you want to onboard people in the vision because the vision is aligned with your your principles and your values. You know, fundamentally, we haven't really changed. We make different products, but we're the same people. Mm-hmm. Something that that Ben said that really resonated with me is also like what you said at the end, like turning a seemingly bad situation into a win. And like this idea of making lemonade out of lemons is so powerful and it's great. And it's so true. There are actual times when a terrible situation that can be really distressing in the moment can actually turn out to be a win, like give it three months. And it's actually that caused you to take another direction. And you're like, wow, I'm so glad that happened. It felt horrible in the moment, but I'm actually really happy with where it brought me. And so it's hard to see in the moment, but actually like remembering that is really powerful. Um, I think that's like essentially taking a hard decision. You go through taking a hard decision a few times at a project level, at the individual level, at the leadership level. When you get to to make a hard decision at the studio level that will impact everyone else, there is already a sort of, learning curve that people went through that are that makes them more willing to actually take that change and be like yeah i remember what happened the last time we had to take a a difficult decision down the line you know we realized that i was that was the good one that was what we we needed to do sometimes not and there are ways to approach that as well right but generally you build that mindset right within the team and you can build in an incremental way no you don't have to go and pivot everyone like out of nowhere right it's like of course we can we can build that up 
One thing you mentioned also about the mindset of people that you go through, some, some will bounce or recover or even grow from those changes. So they are fed by this, right? They are excited and others, they are completely paralyzed. And I, I think here it's even a question I ask myself, like what kind of, uh, you know, mindset, I would say mindset because it's not like good or bad of people you need at different stages, right? So, You, you do need a super specialist uh, who likes stability and predictability. And sometimes they're not necessarily the right fit in early phase where everything is moving. So what has been your approach when hiring? Are you intentional about hiring people who may not be the best experts in the field, but have the mindset and the attitude to go and with you, you know, in this journey that you don't even know you're taking? Or you do a mix and uh, you accept then sometimes... It's not a match anymore when you change the trajectory. So how have you approached the hiring? Uh, Julie, go ahead. It's a difficult question because it's true. Like the needs do evolve over the course of a project, over the course of the life of a studio. And so in my case, it was a new studio. And one of the things I was definitely looking for and was very upfront about is like, do you want, are you excited by the idea of opening a new studio? Because there's lots of exciting parts and then there's lots of like, We're going to learn as we go. We're going to build as we go. It is challenging. It is tough in a lot of ways. Uh, and so there's a lot of experience that comes into play. And then there's just the mindset. And I think growth mindset is a really important one because we're going to mess things up a lot along the way. And just having that mindset where you see that, okay, every every mistake, every quote unquote failure is something that's actually helping us get to the success that we know we're building towards. So that's definitely something that I've prioritized. I think I'm still in that phase because it's just a year and a half. We're actually just now entering pre-production. So we're still in the building up phase. So it's something I'll probably see later. But People also come into, I think, these kinds of jobs with expectations and their own career plans, which is totally fair and makes sense. And so, again, the changes along the way may no longer make their plans in line with what we're doing. And, yeah, it's tough. It's tough, but it's part of the things you have to accept. Like, those are people have their individual needs and and they can bounce back or they can go where you're going, but there may come a point where paths separate. So I don't know if that fully answers your question, but I think, yes, trying to hire people that are adaptable, that can thrive in different parts of the, the project is important, but also accepting that there's probably going to be changes along the way and that's expected and healthy. So my next question is, because we have experienced the situation, they happen. How have you handled it and how much were you aware also of the emotion that of a person where they were and how have you approached them based on that a different level of communication? What's really important where you matters is what happens before and what happens after the conversation. This is what makes the conversation. If we take the example, because I have to be more specific. So if we take the example of someone that we're going to part ways with, whatever the reasons are, I think what matters before the conversation is that we've always given them the right feedback, that they had a very clear objective, that they always had timely feedback, that they always understood where they, they were, how they were doing. Because if you get into the conversation and people are surprised, it means that we, we haven't done our job. Like it means I haven't given the right feedback. That should never come as a surprise if I sit down with someone and say like, you know, we're going to stop here. Like there is always a buildup to that. There is always like reasons to, to get there. And usually that's, that's why even if sometimes it's very explicit, sometimes super emotional, We can get past that during the conversation, hopefully, let people, you know, get things out as they need to, um, don't invalidate any of their feelings, and then get to a place where we can start talking about, you know, how can we move forward? I think that the thing that really is required for me is not to spend too much time on the conversation itself as like, 
what happened and you know the anger or the unfairness whatever it is like again not invalidating any of it but but more being very close like the decision has been made and you know now how do we move forward and how can i make that easier for you and then the follow-up because the conversation doesn't stop there if i'm parting ways with someone it doesn't mean i'm not talking to them anymore it doesn't mean i'm not helping them out anymore like like i trust people i have respect for them it has to you know things things generally for these conversations to go well have come from a place of caring and they can only trust that you care for them if you've cared for them for months and years if we say i care for you you know on the moment of the conversation <laughs> that's not going to go really well so all that build up and all those things that's that's what matters and then the follow up to that because that's how you're going to have good relationships and and i would say it's a better outcome than just someone who's just plain angry right mm. i definitely echo what ben ben is saying honestly i get emotional just thinking back about it because <laughs> i've definitely been faced with the situation and it's never easy never ever easy even when you know like Ben said, and often that's the case, it's the best thing for the company, the team, and it's the best thing for the individual. Of course, it's one of those things, again, that can be hard to see in the moment, but that also can take you on another path to some, somewhere else. And that's happened to me with someone who was honestly very competent and but turned out to be a really poor fit for the team and for the the skill set that we needed at that time. And they eventually went on to another a great position and are thriving right now. And because I think they're in a place that's much better for them, but it was very tough on the spot. And just because this person was really invested and really, and meant well, was really well-intentioned, like everything, everything was good. It just wasn't a good fit. So yeah, it, I mean, in the moment, it definitely did get very emotional, even though there was all the conversations beforehand, I think it still can come as a shock, which is totally understandable. So making room for that, I think, like Ben said, the prep work that goes with what we've done with the employee, but also with ourselves. I think the way that we come in and we show up in those kinds of situations, like we know they're going to be highly emotional for the person. So I think it's good if we're able to kind of deal with that ourselves and able to come into the conversation and say, okay, I'm in a good place. I've done whatever I needed to do to be in a good place. I've worked out. I've, I don't know what it is, but I can come in and I can, you know, be kind of the rock that this person can also rely on to get out what they have to get out. And then I think as Ben was saying as well, like, okay, things end, but you still offer support. Hopefully like you're there for this person. You can, help make this as smooth a process as possible for them outside of, you know, the, the, the difficult current situation. So yes, it's tough. And it usually can get, I, I would say it's always a little emotional. Sometimes it's very emotional mm-hmm. uh, and you can't quite control that, but there are, there are ways to at least try to mitigate that and make it as smooth as possible and in a, in a caring way, like Ben was saying. And something you mentioned, Julie, which is, I think is the key part of how to handle well those conversations. Emotions are not just on the side of the employee. We are emotional going in the conversation and there is a responsibility to manage emotionally ourselves first. But we can enter this conversation like, have we done everything we could to be prepared? Do we have a clear reasoning? Are we objective in the way we've made the decision? So time is on our side, right? And also... Because it's uncomfortable, and I, I remember myself entering, like, oh my God, I'm really not looking forward to the conversation, being anxious, sweating. This is where the other person can feel this anxiety as well. So the thing you can do is like exactly you said, being the rock, which is easier to say than to do, but it's like do whatever you need before to take it out and come to a conversation calm, decisive, and also supportive which is really hard. It's a lot about self-management. So I think that one as well, I learned 
that's the best way to help someone by managing yourself first. And after, I think I shoveled yeah. snow for two hours after that. I needed to like get out and yeah, <laughs> and deal. I would like to add to this quickly because you mentioned something super important. I didn't realize the idea of that rock, right? Like, and, and to add up to this, you, and I learned that the hard way because initially in the first like few times, I, and we're talking about the hardest conversation, you know, which is like letting go someone. It's like, there's not many conversations that are harder than that. Being a rock, like essentially not being shaky in your in your belief in the facts, in the way you're going to approach the conversation is critical because even if you feel like that's correct, you're right. This is exactly what happened. This is the best thing to do. If if I am shaky, the person I'm talking to will not absorb and will not understand and will not agree essentially at some point to the okay, that's not a conversation anymore. Like that's a decision that was made. It's tough for, for them. But they will at some point agree to that. It's like, okay, let's let's move on now. If I'm shaky, it means like, are you sure about what you're saying here? Are you sure this is what you think? Are you hundred percent? And that's that's for me that led to conversations that went really, really badly, where I felt like I was kind of sort of justifying myself on things that had no bearing in the conversation at all because it became emotional. We talk a lot about mental health issues at work. I think it's a, it's a new. It has always been there, let's put it this way, but it has been more unalleged. And where I find the difficulty here is, uh, it could be for different reasons, right? So someone who's who's been fine with the change that has happened, like, okay, okay, I understand the rationale, I'm with it. And then a few weeks later, you see them, they are completely drained, almost like burned burn out, like look burned out. So it's a different type of conversation you should have to support the person and even what you what you suggest. Like, And this is where it's tricky, like, is it separation? Is it taking time off? Is it just listening? What has been your experience there when you have highly emotional employees where the conversation was not about finding a solution, but more solving it on an emotional level? And what should you do as a company, as a leader? And where do you draw the line, which has been also a challenge for me through all the conversation with other leaders? So who would like to start? Yeah, it's it's fascinating. It's a really it's a really tough topic. There's something I think when things get really emotional, I think it's pretty scientific. Like you're you're when you're in freeze, flight, or fight mode, you literally can't access the rational part of your brain. So you're not able to have like a fully and I've been through that. We've all been through that. So also detecting when it okay, it's reached like a certain temperature. Let's cool off. Let's uh, pump the brakes, you know, let it sit. Let's talk about it tomorrow, you know, set up a follow-up or something, just giving it some time, I think can be really, really helpful. And when it comes to the line, you know, is there a clear line in the sand about what's our responsibility? What's, what's the employees? And I think, I I think that's a really tough question because like, obviously we do, we're here to take care of our employees. We're here, I think, first and foremost, to provide a safe, healthy, supportive environment where people can thrive. But of course, like, again, some people are unwell, some people, we all have issues or things like, it's really interesting when you talk about like maybe emotional distress or, or other, like people will take time off if they have a broken leg or if they have a, a severe bout of flu, like kind of no question. I'm not working. I can't come into the office. We don't want you to come into the office, <laughs> stay home and work. But sometimes we have like a real downtime, which can be linked to work or not. Like we're going through something personal and that's really affecting us as a person. And, you know, you maybe there you try to push through and like trying to change the culture where, you know, taking a sick day could be about being, you know, physically sick, but also mentally distressed or unwell. Like that's part of it as well. So trying to shift the culture towards like 
it's okay to take care of yourself, like uh, mind and body, because I think that's something that's changing in the, the zeitgeist today, but we still have a way to go. And so maybe leading by example and showing, okay, well, sometimes like this has been really tough. Like I need, I need some time to process. I need mm-hmm. to go do, and everyone has their own way to do that. And that's their own. So creating an environment where that's okay, I think can, can go a long way. Mm-hmm. Ben? Yes. I, I was, I was thinking along the same, the same lines and it's, it's, a difficult topic i think what you just mentioned leading by example is really important if you expect people to take care of themselves we have to show that it's okay to take time off when we don't feel when we don't feel good when we feel like our mental state is going to impact our ability to work it's very hard i think for more junior people in the team to do that because you have also you know other kind of pressure that comes with like i gotta show up work and i gotta you know i gotta be there and And I think this is where managers and again, like culture and, you know, who is talking to those people on a daily basis? So the managers of, of those more junior people in the team, are they talking to them often enough? Do they understand how they're, how they're doing? Like, so one-on-ones are like super important. And what, what I mean by one-on-ones is just not like a sync up, but really like asking the person, how are they doing like generally and being acting fast on these things. So not, not letting things build up. Just as an example, earlier this week, we sent someone on, on a week off more junior didn't realize they were completely burning out and we were like, whoa, 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 what's going on? And then it was very quick to understand like, okay, just take some time off. And it's fine. There's always these pressures like, well, how, how is the work going to happen? You know, how is like, no one is going to die from that. Like people are going to step in, they're going to help, they're going to push things around. It's very rare when you ask someone to take a few days off or even a week that things are going to implode. It's very, very rare. I think one of the most important things for me, if it's a very emotional conversation, is to not try to fix things on the moment. And as Julie just said, like, let it sit for a little bit, like, just, just listen first, hear what people have to say, take everything in, you know, let them speak and let them feel like at least they have an ear and they're like, okay, I can express myself here. And let's, let's follow up, you know, on the next day when people have cooled down a little bit more and be like, okay, so what is the problem really? Is that a problem at work? Is that something that we're not doing right? Is that which you don't have the support that you need? Like, what is it exactly? We can go into something a little bit more rational or is it something maybe outside of work, a factor, you know, extra factor that affects your, your, your work. And then, and based on that, we can take different directions, right? On how we can, we can handle the, the, like the emotional part. But usually like the first, you know, expression of the emotion, if it's very strong, we won't know exactly what is, what is happening because it can mean many things. And I would like to add here as well, some anecdotes or tools I have started to also roll out on the studio level, but also experience. So the first is a healthcare platform, a health, mental health platform. There are many services these days and it could be part of a company benefits and it's acknowledging it's there. It's safe. It's anonymous. You have all access to it. You don't have to worry. And you have, uh, so we have one actually, uh, called modern health. And you can uh, book anytime your coach or your therapist online for a session of 30 minutes during the day or uh, the day after, because in the moment you need to talk to someone in a safe way and that may not be your manager, right? So this is a great way to support. Uh, second is people are worried when they are going away for some time that they will not receive their pay or something bad will happen at work uh, or they will lose opportunities, which I have to say this as managers, we have to think is. It's nothing for someone to live one week, two weeks, but it's much more costly someone living six months. So it's better sometimes to encourage people to take some days off a week because the cost is a real person going through depression or burnout where the work, unfortunately, is a contributor to it, not the main one. 
then this is a much harder uh, situation to get out of for both sides. And something I encourage, if you can, as a company, is to extend the paid uh, leave. And the last that I found as well, which has been an experience for me, was really to switch. The, so how do you communicate to someone, for example, who is going on a sick leave? They are not capable of returning to work. And that's a very, very tricky situation because at the same time, you have responsibility as an employer. Let's say it's a role that a producer or project manager and many people are relying on that person, but there's just no one. It's vacant, but you cannot replace, of course, the person who's away. But then that person also is not capable. And this is where it's hard for us as manager because it's a complete conversation in a, on an emotional level. It leads to my very last point where I don't think we are well equipped for this as manager and leads. Because here we are having this conversation where we have had experience for many years to, you know, work with many people in different situations. But we are promoting many leads every, not every day, but months and so on. And those young leads are not prepared. They are not trained to handle emotional conversation. And this is where it trickles down easily when they have to face those situations that are happening one-to-one -one and you are not there all the time, right? And this is an open question here at last for the last part of our conversation today. What kind of training? Or skills should we develop as any managers of today and tomorrow, right? With all the things we've discussed today. Therapy? I'm half, I'm half, I'm not really joking. Yeah, I think because the, the truth is that the best working order that we're in, the more we're able to help other people and to understand. And I mean, from a personal, uh, from a personal point of view, like coaching has helped a lot a lot, a lot. And a lot of the coaching I went through actually had a lot to do with emotions and understanding emotions and understanding that behind each emotion, there's a need that behind an emotion can hide another, can be hiding another emotion. You know, sometimes you're angry, but you're actually afraid of something behind that and really being able to dig that. So obviously you do that for yourself. That's helped me tremendously even just understanding what's going on with me and, and what I want. And then when you can have bring that to the table with other people so teach other people but also help yeah understand read situations better so honestly I, yes i think you're absolutely right sophie i wish there was more support and awareness i think it probably varies from company to company some hr teams are really well equipped to do that but just having if we had more of a coaching culture especially for people that are going to end up in this kind of situation who may or may not have you know the the needed baggage to deal with them as best possible would be really helpful for people. Mm -hmm. Great one. Therapy and coaching, I double down on that. That has been very helpful as well for me. What about you, Ben? Yeah, I actually fully agree on, on this. I think to help others, we have to have our house in order. You know, saying therapy is, depends on the parts of the world, depends, you know, the people you're talking to. But for some people, it feels like, wait, I'm not sick. Why do you want me to go for, for therapy, right? <laughs> so even this, approaching this with different people, I think for, for a person who's managing other people, I think it makes it's easier to make it make sense and be like, no, it's not about, you know, fixing you. It's about understanding yourself and then helping others in return. And um, it makes it makes perfect sense to me. I'm about to go under um, a session of, of coaching. You want to lead by example, right? I'm asking my managers to get coached. I'm going to go get coached as well as an executive. It should not be a stigma. It's like, I got a coach. Just, you know, it's not because there's necessarily a problem. It's just for, for me to work on certain things that I want to be doing better. And same same thing for everyone. I think what's important outside of, so I was just saying like, yeah, yeah, I totally agree on, on, these, on these points. I feel like, if the companies themselves don't have the right, the adequate policies to support their managers, 
it's very hard for them to do a good job. So you, you were talking about let's have you know more sick leave, for example. Uh, let's support people with you know anonymous therapy, right? Like if they need to talk to someone, like that should be something that the company can help with. But if the company doesn't have that, essentially managers have a lot less tools to work with and all less ways to help people. And probably even better if that's possible in our structure, if the managers can be part of the policy making, that's even better because they work directly with people and they're going to use those tools. And so, yeah, I feel like good policies and policies that are built together based on very strong, you know, foundations like principles, values and all that stuff. Again, uh, that that is really, I think, what would help managers in, in general in doing a good job. Thank you. So we are out of our time for today. There's so much more to discuss. Uh, I also reflect on a, a follow-up session because uh, it was I really enjoyed the conversation today and I learned a few things or reminder. I hope the same as well for our audience. So let's close it here and then let's follow up on a future episode. But thanks a lot, Julie and Ben, for joining today from the two sides of the world. <laughs> really enlightening conversation. Thanks a lot, guys. That was great. Uh, thanks. thanks, Sophie. And thanks, Julie. It was very nice seeing you. See you next time. Thanks for listening to this latest episode of the Rise and Play podcast. I am trying to grow a community of conscious leaders across the industry and beyond. So if you want to join this movement, please share the podcast with other conscious leaders because we have so much more we can learn from each other. Also, please don't forget to follow the show so you don't miss out on future content. Every episode is packed with actionable insights that will help you improve your leadership skills now. And if you are interested in learning more on the topics that we discussed today, you can find more insights on riseandplay.io and there you will also find my free masterclass on conscious leadership. So have a great week and until the next time, 